Dagon's Illusion, Episode 47, Rune's Home. Moonlight, silver shadows in towering trees. Slowly, Robert Dagon parked his Corvette in front of the destroyed mansion that had been his home. As he walked up the steps, he couldn't escape the feeling that all the ghosts of the past were watching him from the broken windows. Switching on a flashlight, he entered the building. Then he picked his way between piles of rubble in the main hall. The eerie faces of Eustace's painted angels peered at him from the staircase. Was it his imagination? Had the angels of light faded more than the ones below? Moving into the grand ballroom, he felt a sudden chill, as though a shaft of freezing air had touched him. For a full minute he stood in silence. Then he spoke. The Urson Trust. It took me all day to understand it. Ur, a great city of ancient Mesopotamia, the city where Abraham lived before God supposedly kicked him out and sent him to the promised land. And what deity did they worship there? Why, the moon god Sin. Very creative, if a bit vain, Mr. Moon. You founded an organization meant to carry out your plans long after you were dead. But the letter they sent mixed mythologies. Their name is ancient Middle Eastern, yet they introduced runes, and that confused me. But all mythologies are really one, aren't they? Hindu, Mayan, Celtic, Aryan, whatever, they all flow from a single source. The three runes are Othala, inheritance of ancestral property, Tewaz, search for the transcendent spirit, and Uruz, brute strength, the power to overcome. And these you want embedded at the entrance to this building. But why? A heavy silence seemed to fill the dark. Leaving the ballroom, Dagon walked to the staircase and began to climb. The letter stipulates that the mansion must be restored just as it was before the hurricane, which raises a fascinating question. Exactly what are you, Mr. Moon? Are you a ghost, a demon, a demiurge that never should have been allowed to exist? Is it possible that your energy is tied to this physical location? Or maybe it's your only point of entry. If the building is destroyed, will your power diminish? Or will you vanish away? Assuming that you are the spirit of Corneal Moon, you were very careful in your preparations for death and all that would happen afterward. So why didn't you secure ownership of the mansion through your trust? Why did you let it fall into other hands? That seems a needless risk. This building is a center of power. I sensed it from the first moment I entered. Many secrets are hidden here. For instance, what really is buried beneath that mausoleum? It isn't just the grave of Melissa Marin. And how many more hiding places like it remain to be discovered? Dagan stepped out onto the second floor. Well, Mr. Moon, there's one thing we can agree on. We need each other. You have the money in the Urson Trust, but I have the building. And assuming that's important to you, it's time for us to negotiate. Walking to a window, he looked out. Below stood the mausoleum encircled by the broken labyrinth. Here's an interesting idea. What if I dug around that ugly maze? How many rotted bodies would I find? Think about what the world would say. The story would be on every news channel. The history of Marin House would be spread out for all to see. Of course, I would insist that the mansion be torn down to search for more victims. 
When it was gone, it would never be rebuilt. That's very tempting, Mr. Moon. I think you were a criminal in a line of criminals who lived here. If you could be punished, I would tear down this wretched place in a minute. But since you're long dead, I have an option. Even yet, it would give me great pleasure to reveal the disgusting story of your home. And here's how I would do it. I'd plan a TV special around the dig of the labyrinth. A second special would follow when we dug up the witch's tomb. A third would be produced when I bulldozed the mansion. After that, I would donate the empty land to a Pentecostal church for a memorial park. They would build a shrine to all the murder victims and cover the ground with crosses. By the way, it might interest you to know that this is not a theoretical concept. Late this afternoon, I called for workmen to begin the first dig. They'll be here tomorrow. Needless to say, they will stop in shock when the first bodies are uncovered. Then the police will be called. Also, needless to say, I will have cameras ready. Leaving the second floor, Dagan walked up to the third. The last time we met was rather unpleasant, especially for me. That isn't going to happen again. One single second of crawling and groveling, and I promise you that this building will cease to exist. We meet as equals or we don't meet at all, and time is of the essence. Now I'm going to walk up to the tower. If you're not there when I arrive, I'll walk down, drive away, and that will be the end. So you'd better appear, you son of a bitch. Going to the narrow staircase, Dagan climbed up into the destroyed tower. The walls and ceiling had been ripped away by the hurricane. All that was left was the iron superstructure with the crucifix on its beam. As he stood looking into the moonlit shadows, suddenly Dagon felt a weird twinge in his guts. Damn it, I swear I meant what I said. The twinge grew. He felt it trembling out from his belly up into his chest, then into his arms and legs. Then came a terrible dizziness. Staring up at the moon, he rubbed his eyes. It was larger than before, and it was growing. He staggered and almost fell out onto the roof. Hugging one of the vertical beams, he tried to stay on his feet, but couldn't. Sliding down, he flopped onto his back, bashing his head on the floor. Heartbeats. The air moving in and out of his lungs. Breathing. Breathing. Though he fought it, he felt the trance deepen his body going to sleep, but his mind awake. Eyes closing, awareness growing, the start of the separation. Seeing with the second set of eyes, seeing through the closed eyelids, the beginning of projection, now the buzz, the vibration, heart beating faster, loosening from the flesh, the duplicate of himself rising out of himself, half in, half out of his body, seeing straight ahead through his closed eyelids, yet at the same time slowly drifting upward and seeing with his other eyes. The final snap. Full dislocation. He was floating beneath the crucifix. But what was this? He couldn't shift his awareness back and forth. The eyes of the flesh had clicked off. Dagon panicked. Was this death? Had he died? Twisting around, he saw the silver cord shimmering in the moonlight. It was attached and standing next to his sleeping body was Corneal Moon. So, Mr. Dagon, we meet again. Reaching out, Moon touched the silver strand. Aren't these beautiful? So delicate and yet so strong. 
Have you ever wondered who made them and why they exist at all? Leave that alone. Don't worry, it can't be broken until the moment you choose to die. I don't care, get your hands off it. Dagon eased himself down until they were face to face. So the chemical you gave me causes dislocation. Of course. Whenever I will it. I want it out of my body right now. I'm afraid that isn't possible. You're lying. You put it there. Remove it. I can't, and that's the truth. It's there to stay as long as you live, and it's for your own good. You bastard. I'm the one who decides what's for my own good. Robert, I understand how you feel. Long ago, my guide did the same to me, and I was utterly enraged. After I got over my childish ranting, I discovered that it greatly facilitated the process of initiation. I don't want your initiation! Oh, I hope you'll change your mind about that. I'm sorry for the necessities of our previous meeting. It was unpleasant for both of us. It was a lot more unpleasant for one of us. Oh, come now, stop whining. You're a wise man. You're well aware that the only way for a spirit to grow is for the fleshly will to be broken. I'm offering you the greatest opportunity of your life. Regarding your silly notion about negotiating with me, please don't act like an imbecile. While I love this house and it was my home, my existence does not depend upon it. If you destroy the mansion, the only one you'll hurt is yourself. And regarding the bodies buried around the labyrinth, I had nothing to do with that. I am not a murderer. You're lying. Believe what you want. But if you dig them up, you'll discover that they died long before I lived here. Now I called you out of your body for a reason. I want to take you on a journey. I'm not going anywhere with you. Suit yourself, but you'll miss out. He rose into the darkness. Where are you going? No answer. Cursing, Dagon followed, looking back to make sure the silver cord was still attached. Suddenly, as though caught in a great wind, the men began streaking upward toward a moon that seemed to fill the sky. Dagon looked down. Below was New Orleans, but it was different than he had ever seen it. Tiny islands of light floated between great holes of darkness where once had been the lights of homes and businesses. On they went until the long Gulf Coast was visible. On the edge of the ocean, the cities were like a string of pearls laced in silver shadows. A moment later and they were above the western hemisphere, with the rim of the planet softly glowing in the distance. Dagon turned from the earth to see where they were headed. Hanging in space, silhouetted by the moon, was a gigantic black square. What the hell is that? The most wonderful place in all of earth and heaven. The heart of mystery, where every soul is measured and secrets are revealed. Their angle of approach changed until they were flying toward one of its edges. It wasn't just a square. Suspended between the earth and the moon was a black ziggurat. One level after another rose to a pinnacle that seemed a thousand miles away. Closer. 
They were approaching a stupendous wall that looked like polished onyx streaked with silver, and it was covered with symbols, hieroglyphs, runes, unreadable words in thousands of languages, and above this wall the dizzying levels spanned upward in a mountain of shining darkness. Never had Dagon seen anything so vast and forbidding. Every temple and pyramid ever built would be lost within it, but he had no more time to think about its size. In front of them loomed an expanse without symbols. As they drew near, he saw that it was a monstrous arch. Suddenly, he was filled with dread. What is this thing? What's inside there? Corneal Moon replied, Don't be afraid. You are about to enter the source of all glory. The tower with heaven at its top. <laughs>